college football talk like you've never heard before. The pinky finger goes up the nose. From the tailgates. He is a terrible tipper and a terrible human. To the touchdowns. He's going for the corner. He's got it. We have everything covered. Place at the table. Here are your hosts, Patrick Maher and Andy Staples. This squad is in the house. Place at the Table podcast, week six review. Download, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pattpodcast.com. My name's Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles with Dustin Sweetelson, who is all of a sudden a sharp in gambling. Andy Staples has started the show in Gainesville, and we say hi. What's up, dude? So Dustin, Dustin bets on Michigan State, and all of a sudden... He's a sharp. He is a an absolute sharp. Just takes one. I would like to just uh, disclose... I was on an antibiotic for 14 days, so I couldn't drink or do anything. Uh, I've been drinking today. <laughs> That's okay. Let's all celebrate. So I have a uh, I have a <laughs> open can of uh, Tin Fitty Imperial Stout right here. So yeah, you drink mud, man. You like the thick stuff. I like the good stuff. So what is your go-to? Like for me, it's like if I can get as cold as possible an IPA. A Golden Road, which is a California IPA. Mm-hmm. I know it's a hipster drink, but no, I, I like all. I like the bitterness. Kinds. I like well, see, I, I like bitter. I like IPAs. Um, my favorite IPA is is called Highlight. It's from a, a brewery called Cigar City in Tampa, hmm. and uh, it's it is excellent. But sometimes I want something a little darker. You know, if I'm if I'm going out to the pool, that's where you, you bring the Highlight. But you know, now it's the evening. It's it's settle down time, so I go sexy time. Stout. That's right. <laughs> do you have a community pool where you take the kids? We do. Oh gosh, we we we've got an app that coordinates the neighborhood. We've got a community pool. Hey, Sports Illustrated, give me a we, shout. I'm always available. We would be more bougie if we had our own pool, you know. <laughs> Dustin, what's your go-to? Uh, the coldest draft beer possible. Um, I'm a big fan of draft beer. I don't know if that makes me not a beer connoisseur because I feel like no, that, no that's that, good. Nothing wrong with like liking draft beer. Now, just don't talk to any bartenders about clean lines and all that good stuff. No, I think the dirtier line probably the better the beer because it's been through a lot. Well, you it's know, not a, it's not a barbecue pit. <laughs> you know, you don't want it to be more seasoned. You'd like it to be clean. You know, I went I went a couple of months ago by myself to Amsterdam and uh, I would just like during the day I would walk and I would walk into different pubs and they drink it warm there. I don't know how they do It's that. not necessarily warm, you know what I mean, Andy? It's more like uh, yeah, it's it's like it's, red wine type temperature, like yes. 54 instead of 37 or whatever it should be. And they're fascinated that I'm like I want it ice cold. I love an ice cold beer. Yeah, I I like it I like it cold too. I can't and I know the 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 fancy beer drinkers there are there is a a prescribed temperature for each different beer. I can't go for it. I just put it in the fridge. Whatever is it comes out of the fridge cold as is what I want. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so we mentioned week six review, and Andy stayed home for LSU Florida. Um, I guess we should start with a philosophy, and that is what uh, Matt Campbell's doing with Iowa State. Okay, so, for example, how, how many years was Rhodes at Iowa State? Five or six Five or six. That's a game he doesn't win. No, no. Now he he upset a few teams when he was Texas at Iowa State. one time. I remember and Nebraska another time, but not Oklahoma. Oklahoma was kind of the hill they couldn't climb. 
And this is like a spider, right? Because I mean, it's it's inherent in what we. But then we say, well, uh, how how bad is that loss for Ohio State, and how good is the Big Twelve, and all that kind of stuff? But f- what happened with Park being out and a linebacker essentially playing quarterback for well, Iowa State is well, wild. no, he was he was the Wildcat quarterback. The the third that they had walk on was the guy who threw for almost four hundred yards. That is, tell me what happened in that. And before we start with the game, tell me about Matt Campbell. Toledo guy came over to Iowa right, he State. He was at Toledo. Now he was a, he played at Mountain Union, which is one of the great D three programs. Uh, there were so far two head coaches on on that team. Jason Candle, who replaced Campbell at Toledo, was also on that Mountain Union team. He's a head coach. Alex Grinch, who was the D, D coordinator at Washington State, doing a great great job. By the way, mm-hmm. he was also on that team. So it was there was some some coaching future coaching brain power that played together. And then kind of came up through there, and look, he he's got a he's got a way of making them believe. And a lot of this, when you're trying to upset a team like Oklahoma, when you, you know how do you eat how do you eat a whole buffalo one bite at a time? That that's what you do. You have to make them believe they can keep taking those bites. And so that's that's the start of it. And you know it, it started last year when he got there, and and him instilling a belief that they belong on the field with the teams they're playing. And that's kind of the hardest hardest thing to do is convince those guys sometimes that, no, you weren't recruited by Texas or you weren't recruited by Oklahoma, but you can play with those guys. One of the bigger upsets in recent – 28 and a half. Did you bet that, Sharp? I didn't touch it's, that it's one. 31. Was it 31? 31. Well, Andy Staples is looking at all the lines. Well, no. Well, in that case, it was a pretty big deal. So people mentioned it once or twice. Your industry cracks me up, by the way, now. Every lead is gambling. Every lead. And it's just like the dudes that pretended not to be into gambling in your industry are now just pretending to be like they were always gamblers. The the ESPN thing is is even weirder because for years they would not touch a line. They would not mention it. Uh, You know, Brent Musburger had to speak in code. Yeah, surreptitious underneath. Yeah. And now, and now it, it's it's all out. They, they even had a show on ESPNU a couple years ago. It was all about lines. They would bring Phil Steele on. He talk lines. So yeah, I don't I don't know when that when exactly it changed. But my thing, and I, I've said this before, I'm not a gambler, but I've always looked at the lines of course. As, for my own education because. Vegas knows things sometimes. They literally, I mean, it is at times uncanny, um, but it's also just, it, it's a fun way to gauge a game. It's, well, it's, exactly. And, and you, have got, you and I have gone through this, you know, on the Wednesday shows when we pick games where I'll say, this is a what does Vegas know game mm-hmm. where, where the line is, is odd, looks out of place, and half the time it's right. 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 No, it, it really is. Fa- now, it, wow, I didn't realize it got up to third. I didn't touch this game. Well, so the, the LSU-Florida game was another weird one. That was one that opened Florida minus five and kicked off in some places as high as LSU minus three. LSU minus three. That's right. But it was like L- LSU minus one and a half or minus one was kind of the, the industry standard when it kicked off. So if you bet LSU... Minus one and a half, they didn't cover. But if you got, you know, if you got in that middle anywhere when we're betting LSU, then and, and obviously a lot of people bet LSU to get the line where it was. They all won money. So the back up a little bit. Cyclones in Norman and Jacob Park. He was a pretty big recruit. The quarterback a Georgia guy. Yeah, he, he he went to Georgia and he took a medical leave. And they're being it's kind of low key. They're not really saying exactly what's right. going on with him. 
Um, but the circumstances leading into that game at Norman, the fact that they won outright is that's that's huge. I mean, it's like beyond huge. Oh, it's unbelievable. I, and, and you know, it has ramifications for the Big Twelve as a whole as well, and probably probably not great ones. Big Twelve stinks, but. It was a hell of a game to watch, and boy, it was fun to watch those guys celebrate and fun to watch Joel Lanning, you know, play Wildcat quarterback and have a huge game at linebacker. Should have beat Iowa. Should have beat Iowa. Should have beat Iowa. Yeah, and so uh, Campbell's doing a great job, and, you know, it's interesting. We keep we always mention what job's going to be open, who's going to get hired for these jobs. Campbell is is putting himself in position to be talked about for that stuff, but as we'll ta- as we'll talk about as we go through the show – there might be a few cases where people are uh, saving their jobs and it might not be as many openings as we thought. So Campbell's the type of guy that you want to meet his parents. Do you know what right. I mean? <laughs> because yes. he, he's How'd so... How'd you do this? Yeah. Like, what is he, 34, 35? Yeah. Okay, and when you see him, it's almost like that by the book, it, this person was created in a lab, but when he speaks, it's like, okay, that's... Uh, do I have a daughter? If so, Matt Campbell, I, I marry her. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely seems to be a great communicator. It doesn't always come across in interviews, but when you talk to his players, you, you can tell they buy into everything he says. And the dude that took over at Toledo that was his assistant's kind of the same way. Jason Candle, that's right. He, he's, he's, he's a big-time you know, rising star in the business. So, uh, But, I mean, Matt Campbell, to get Kyle Kempt ready for this game, this is a walk-on, you know, he played at Oregon State, went to JUCO, walked on at Iowa State. I'm sure he never in his life imagined that he'd be beating Oklahoma in Norman. No. And so just in like basic parlance, what does that do? Does that do anything for recruit? I know it's a big, it tried to answer question, but does that do anything for recruiting for oh, Iowa? Of course. So it, that's big. For Iowa State, it, it definitely helps. And, you know, it, it's more of who you're recruiting against. Because you're you're probably recruiting against lower tier Pac-12 teams, other lower tier Big 12 teams, lower tier Big 10 teams, and you need something to differentiate. Because you're in Ames, Iowa, you're kind of out of the way. You know, in a lot of cases, the guys going to Iowa State, this is their only Power Five offer, and they're taking it. But this is what helps them get other guys who have other Power Five offers, who because. Wins like this differentiate it. You know, if you if you have Kansas and Iowa State, you look at this and go, well, Iowa State beat Oklahoma. I think I'd rather go there than Kansas. So compare the Iowa State and Kansas State jobs. Kansas State is one of the hardest jobs in the in America. I and mean, when Snyder took over, it was the hardest job in America. They they were way worse than Kansas is now. Way worse. Hmm. And I'm not sure anybody but Bill Snyder can succeed at Kansas State. I think that's a case where he has created a formula that works, and I don't know that it can be replicated. By the way, Rhodes is running the Arkansas defense right now. Yeah, and (laughs) nothing at Arkansas is going particularly well. Now, it wasn't really – the game yesterday wasn't entirely his – or wasn't really his fault. That was on the offense. They, They gave South Carolina a couple scores, just handed them to him. Which we'll get into the okay. So, what does this mean for Oklahoma? It means you got to win every game. You still have the win over Ohio State. That's a big chip, especially if Ohio State wins the Big Ten. So, you're not out of it. I know a lot of people are. Oh no, Oklahoma can't make the playoff. No, that's not true. 
If Oklahoma wins out, there's a very good chance Oklahoma makes the playoff. But nothing about the way they played defensively yesterday suggests they can win out. I watched them at at Baylor. I was at that game. They could not defend Baylor. I watched them on TV yesterday. They could not defend Iowa State. Guess what? They're about to play a bunch of offenses that look just like that, but are way better. What does this mean for Ohio State? For Ohio State, it doesn't mean much of anything because if you're Ohio State, you still have to beat Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and probably Wisconsin to to win the Big Ten. And if you do all that and you have that one loss sitting there, you could probably still make the playoff. Hmm. Place at the table! All right, next game. Let's go where you were yesterday, and that's at the Swamp. Dawson, did you bet it? Uh, Under 45. Congratulations. Oh, very nice. Um, Not really. At the end, it got scary. I don't. I just don't think LSU or Florida are very good. And I think the weird thing about because you can speak to it uh, more intimately, Andy, but um, the McIlwain's. Uh, I don't know if it's just a quarterback thing, but I, Florida's not very good. No, they're not, and they're not as good on defense as they were last year. I think they're better on offense, and I, it's interesting because it feels like there's more sky is falling going on now. I thought they were in worse shape after the Tennessee game and after the Kentucky game, even though they won those games, because you still didn't really know what their offense was. I think we know what their offense is now, and I think it's a a pretty effective running game that can set up a little bit of a passing game. And if if Tyree Cleveland comes back, then they have a field stretcher too. So does that mean they're going to be good enough to win the SEC East again? Not the way Georgia's playing. No, Georgia. But you could still have a respectable season doing that. The thing about it is, you know, the defense has to kind of stay baseline, stay where it is. It can't get any worse. Uh, if there are some injuries defensively, that's one of those deals where you could see the wheels come off a little bit. And I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see how the reaction to Jim McElwain is now among the Florida fan base because a lot of them were already checked out on him even before yesterday. And now it's just like, you know, wake me up next year. Let's see if there's a quarterback. And if there's not, let's make a change. And in the Bayou, like Vandy moved the ball more efficiently than LSU. They did. They did. And, you know, against that Florida defense, LSU moved it at first. Uh, Yes. Because, because Florida had not seen an offense like that, but it became very clear that LSU couldn't throw. And so that allowed LSU to figure out, you know, or that allowed Florida to figure out, okay, they're, they're going to run this jet sweep. We'll have a guy waiting there. We don't have to worry about having a guy deep because they're not going to throw it. So that is LSU's challenge going forward because they're going to need to throw the ball to beat Auburn. You know, I, defensively, I think LSU is going to keep getting better. So that is going to give their offense a little bit of breathing room. But Auburn's going to score some points. And LSU has got to figure out a way to diversify that offense. Uh, Danny Etling looked just miserable every time he went back to throw the ball. Now, I know there were a lot of times last uh, last yesterday when they had three true freshmen on the offensive line and they were not blocking as well as they could. But Auburn has a great defensive line. Auburn's defense Their defense is defense. just really good in general. Yeah, it's, it's better than Florida's defense. So LSU better get it figured out. It may be that they have to go to the freshman, Miles Brennan, and, and let him try it. I don't know how much better he will do, but... You, you just kind of have to give it a shot. If if Etling can't get it done, you got to try to find somebody who can throw the ball. 
Yeah, no. Etlin was fired up. You were in the booth, so you probably didn't hear. But the TV, he was going up to all of his offensive players and firing them up. He, it's just when he drops back, it looks gross. Real quickly, uh, from our our sharp here, under. That's interesting because generally, as a new better, you always take the over. What did you see with LSU in Florida? I have watched every Florida game this year uh, mm-hmm. because my roommate is a huge Florida fan. And, and, and it just screams under? It, yeah, everything screams under, and then you add into the mix LSU, who screams under because they're, they're two schools that have no business not having superior weapons on offense, but somehow every year don't. So I just figured under 45 was probably going to be close, but I thought it had a good shot. But our theme was Ogeron meddling. Which he didn't do this time. So explain. So... Now, he claims that it was really just one time, that it was the Troy game, that it was the first half of the Troy game. He went to Matt Cannon, the offensive coordinator, and said, we need to cut down on the pre-snap motion, the pre-snap shifts, because we're playing some young offensive linemen. I don't want them to be confused. I don't want false starts. Let's just run the basics. Let's run a little bit of what we ran last year. And it's Troy. It's fine. We'll be able to push them around. They were not able to push them around. They had zero points at halftime. Orgeron says that was it. He cut it off right then, said go back to running the offense, and that's that's all. Now, if that was all, I don't know why they needed a meeting with Orgeron, the coordinators, and the AD, but they had one <laughs> last week. So, and, and from what I've heard internally, the meddling is done. They're going to let Matt Canada can run his offense. Orgeron said he learned his lesson at Ole Miss. He said it wasn't going to happen again. It happened again. But I think losing to Troy was enough of a reminder that, oh, wait, this is why I got fired at Ole Miss. Ed, we like you. We don't want to fire you. Yeah, don't, don't, co- don't coach don't anymore. Do don't coach anymore, dude. Well, he can coach, nah, he... but but he needs to he needs to be motivating. Yeah, he needs to be look cool, recruiting. Sound cool. Well, part and part of that is is organization setting the right tone for the week, making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing in terms of watching film, the right intensity level of practice. I mean, from what the players were saying, the practices weren't intense enough until last. The players week. said that. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, they said everybody wasn't on the same page. That it wasn't. You know, some guys would be going hard, but everybody wasn't going hard until. They all had their come to Jesus meetings and suddenly everything. Now, here's the thing. That's easy to say after a win. Everybody always says this stuff after a win. And the part that is easy to get lost is they won because of a botched hold. Because of a missed PAT, right, by a guy who'd never missed one. So it could all be a mirage. Hey, Ed, start eating grass. Right. But sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes you need that win just to convince you. That's cool. You know what? Maybe we can do this. No, that's true. But they got beat by Troy at home. Let's all, let's all just chill. They did. But look, <laughs> Alabama got beat by Louisiana Monroe. You know, it happens. Those games happen. You can let it destroy your, your program or you can turn it around. It just depends on what's in your locker room and, and who's coaching it. Let's stick with the SEC here on Place at the Table because there really isn't a more impressive. Uh, okay, so you have Alabama and Clemson, mm-hmm. but dude, what Kirby's doing with Georgia and it was Vandy, 
and Vandy's taken a couple shots the last couple of weeks. But yeah, but they thumped him. They, dude, I mean. He, the second touchdown was only because Jacob Easton fumbled a snap. And you re, in last year, even in his first year, a lot of close losses um, for Kirby. Maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he's a coach. Well, that's the thing. You know, we were very careful not to make the Saban first-year comparisons, Kirby first-year comparisons, even though the two first years looked really similar. Because, I mean, what are the odds anybody winds up being like Saban? Probably not very high. But the things you see Kirby doing, and, and right down to Justin Fields committing this week. Justin that Fields, is, let's talk about that. quarterback prospect in the country. Okay, they're starting a true freshman right now. I know. Their backup is a sophomore. But Andy, the Fields kid, they're saying, and depending on who you read, but they're saying one of the best recruits ever. Yes. Like I a think- Chris Leak recruit. Yes. Now, Chris Leak did not quite live up to his recruiting. But you remember he the did win a national title. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I had a dude I know text me. His son was playing against Fields' team, and he texted me like, "I've never seen anything like." But this. I do, can, can, may I ask you? I don't get why he would commit to Georgia. I don't think he's scared of competition. Well, guess who created a, a, an environment where the next five-star would come in because he wasn't scared of the five-stars that were already there. Exactly. So Kirby's now figured out how to make those guys do the same thing at Georgia. And that is how you create what Alabama has and what Clemson has, is you you find a way to convince players to come in and say, I don't care that you have a bunch of five-stars. I'm going to beat them all out. Eason was a five-star. Um, Fromm, Fromm was, was a four-star. Four. Yep. And Fields is a ten-star. Right. So... The defense isn't going to get worse next year. Nope. <laughs> it's not. And you, you talked about this a year now, ago. I, w- I would imagine if things keep going the way they are. Now, now we'll see. It, Fromm staying healthy is kind of the key here. But if Fromm finishes out the season as the starter and Eason doesn't play much anymore, my guess is Eason will transfer. But Fields explained something you explained to us, and you said, I think Georgia is the best job in the country. Yes. Uh, because he stayed in state. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you put you put walls up around that state, and you can win. Yeah, I mean, Jake Fromm was committed to Alabama, okay? He was committed to the best program in the country, the most successful program in the country the last 10 years, a place where a guy with his level of confidence is probably going to succeed. He flipped to Georgia because he, he's from Georgia. He's from Warner Robins. He wanted to be a Georgia Bulldog, and Kirby tapped into that. And that's how he got him because, well, Kirby had gotten him to commit to Alabama. So Kirby knew he could get him to commit to Georgia if he just offered him. And that's so that's how he gets from. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll find out. You know, we won't know until Fields gets on campus and Kirby can actually talk about it. But we'll find out what made him what made him commit, what convinced him. But the fact that guys don't seem afraid of what's ahead of them only bodes well for Georgia. That can only work out. Two things. One, Dustin, you lived in Georgia. Yeah. What did high school football mean in Georgia? Uh, I got my start covering Georgia high school football. And what, what was it like? It was everything. It was literally towns shutting down across the state. It's a because, Texas vibe? Oh, it's... It's, I, it's it's like Texas. It's not as fancy as Texas. Yeah, it's no, not there's, as big. The, the money isn't there. Right. But, but but there is a lot of money in some of those programs. And and Fields going to Georgia is something that the local high school football fan 
always wanted. Remember a right. few years ago, Rick had the dream team with Ray Drew and oh, Malcolm yeah. Mitchell and yep. J. Rome. And, Gosh, yeah. Uh, all these guys, a few of them, I think Corey Moore, these huge recruits went to Georgia. And that was like everything to a Georgia high school fan. And then stay at the end, stay. yeah. And then at the end, you know, Rick had to leave because Nick Saban and, and anyone else in the SEC was coming in and picking who they wanted out of the state of Georgia, north to south, east to west. Well, so, South Carolina started to infiltrate a little bit with Spurrier. The most damning thing about Rick's tenure was the draft last year and his wife on the sideline. The state of Georgia led the nation in draftees yeah. produced and zero of those players played for Georgia. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so field staying That's in state wild. if if more... I think a couple of them had signed with Georgia and been kicked off the team. Cuz like one one was Josh Harvey Clemens I think. Yeah, Josh Harvey Clemens from from he Valdosta. The, he was in the dream team. Lowndes High School. He, he was a uh, he was a a bail bondsman or his family ran a bail bond bail bonds business hmm. and he had a license and it could be like a skip tracer. But the reason that this team is so, because now let's trace it. Their defense might be the best in the country. Well, look what they did to Mississippi state. Maybe look what Vandy put up points on Florida. And we haven't talked about Alabama A&M yet, but didn't Alabama look a little bit human? Little yeah, but vulnerable. again, again, you said uh, on our last podcast, you said uh, maybe I'll take uh, Bama laying thirty. You just, I mean, he Sumlin has so many athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did. It, it wasn't necessarily. It never seemed in doubt necessarily. Well, and and you saw Kellen Mond getting better over the weeks. Yeah, exactly. But, but that game against Alabama is 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 something different. That you look at that and you go, oh, so this guy next year. Mon. He, he could be special. 27-19, Alabama beats A&M at A&M. Yeah, so this is, there's a lot of weird dynamics at play now in the SEC because we assumed that Kevin Selman was getting fired, and it may still happen. Like, they may go to Florida and lose, and then everything falls apart, but they don't look like they're ready to fall apart like they were the last three years when they lost to Alabama. That buyout life will do it, and I think yeah. there's a couple things from the SEC. Uh, I think he's flipping the script. And I think in hog country, there's something yeah. weird happening. Yep, yep, I agree. Okay, so are we done with the SEC? Yeah, I think we can be done with the SEC. By the way, quickly on the game you attended at the Swamp, Florida had every opportunity mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. They gained 13 yards, or no, they gained 30 yards on 13 plays in the fourth quarter. They stink. Sorry, I bet. Uh, yes, I bet on them. Okay, so full that's, disclosure. That that's why they're costing you money. No, but, no, I bet Eventually on them in game. Learn. In game money line, it was like plus three, plus three hundred, so three to one. Right. They they had every opportunity in the fourth. They did. Like, what is there? Is there a vibe at the stadium? Is there? Growing contentment, like not contentment, but is there discontent? Gro- discontent. Yeah, oh yeah, they think the sky's falling. Okay. Yeah, no, they're, they're, but they were already kind of done with them. This is the most, remember, Florida fans, the most spoiled fan base in America. So they're not going to be happy with anything except SEC championships, national championships. And right now, they're not anywhere near that. No, they're far. Okay, well, let's, let's shift to the Big 12. Place at the table. <laughs> um, Dustin, did you touch TCU West Virginia? Uh, I did. I had West Virginia plus 13 and a half. Okay, so that's a Ooh, winner. Nice. Um, little revenge for TCU and Patterson. 
And TCU now, somehow, Andy, looks like the class of the Big 12. They do, but I don't know. And Trill didn't play well. He played he played all right. He's played okay. Threw a TD pass, caught a TD pass, but ran the, for a TD. I guess the way I'm saying is it is really – West Virginia is a team, especially with Greer, going, like the, that's a good win for TCU is what I'm it's saying. It's a very good win for TCU, and it's possible that that's the first of two meetings between those two teams. Yeah, no, good point. I mean, because – because I don't trust Oklahoma right now to make the Big Twelve title game. I really don't. Let's not, not, not forget what defense. let's not forget what Oklahoma did at Baylor. I, I haven't. That's the thing. The two Big Twelve games we've seen from them, they they don't look right. They don't look like a team that can defend Big Twelve offenses. So, did you expect this before the year from no. TCU? No, I didn't. I thought they might be a little bit better, but. I just I didn't think they'd be as good defensively as That's they the are. That's the thing. Defensively, they've looked really good. I didn't think they'd be as good at running the ball as they are. And in fact, their fans were a little frustrated that they didn't run the, run the ball as much as they could have on Saturday. That they didn't run out the clock. Because it could have been a much lower scoring game had TCU just tried to control the ball on the ground. So, interesting that they're going to Manhattan, Kansas next. That may be what... You may see a real ball control type game there and TCU win at something like twenty-one to seven. Does TCU have good fans? Uh, it's a small school; they don't have a ton of fans. It's private, so. right? Christian. Yeah, yeah, yep. So I mean, it, it's it's sort of like SMU, same same vibe. So they don't have a huge fan base, but the one the ones that are there are very football savvy and and they seem to understand. I, I just you know, TCU has a pretty tough closing kick where they they play Texas then at Oklahoma. And then at Texas Tech, and Texas Tech is not bad either, especially offensively. So, yeah, I, I, I think though TCU by now getting past Oklahoma State and West Virginia, I think you have to basically assume they're going to be one of the two teams in the Big Twelve title game. Who would you put your money on right now for the other team? Ooh, I, I, I don't know. It's either Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, Texas, or West Virginia. Look at the wins, though, TCU has now. Yes, they have good wins. That's why I... Really impressive, actually. I have them in my projected playoff for SI over Washington because TCU has good wins. If I... I I think if they played, just eyeball test, if they played, I think Washington would would win the game. But Washington hasn't gotten a chance to play anybody yet. Once Washington hits the, the meat of their schedule in November... I might jump Washington over TCU as Washington gets some better wins. But right now, I mean, winning at Oklahoma State and then beating West Virginia, that's pretty darn good. Place at the table! I think the Pac-12, which we'll move to next, is probably the most slept-on conference. Um because you just mentioned Washington. I, don't think it's, I think it's the deepest. I think, I think it is than, the deepest. Other than Oregon State, everybody can beat everybody. But I don't I don't know that it's the best. I think Washington, I didn't say no, definitely uh, not the best. Oh, slept on. Well, it's, it's slept on because, because a lot of this country's asleep when the game starts. <laughs> After dark. Uh, Herbert was out, but still a, a, a really good. I mean, there was no hangover for Wazoo. After oh, USC and staying at home that, for five weeks. They didn't play that well. I know. That's what and, I'm saying. Yeah. They didn't play that well and won easily. So that tells you that. He is that a good team. Is, it is a very good team. And it's a lot of it is, you know, the offense is as good as it's always been. And this is one of the better defenses that he's ever had. You know, I don't think that Leach 
I don't think he's like a marquee program guy. I think he's in a like a sweet spot for him where yes, he can. This is the type of program he needs to be at, right? Where he can talk about hamburgers and he can talk about sovereign shit stuff, sovereign immunity. He can talk about yeah. He can bring you up and become best friends with you, and he can do whatever he like. But it's it's almost like the quirkiness lends itself to um, Pullman as opposed to if he were to go to LSU. Yes, I would agree. Because at LSU, they're just going to demand more. And the thing is, at a place like LSU, a place like Florida, and Jim McElwain's figuring this out of Florida, it's not about getting to 9 to 10 wins. It's it's getting the 11th and the 12th. You right. have to figure out how to get the 11th and the 12th. And there are so few coaches that can that can do that. So Pac-12, um, by the way, if you're a gambler, and so we were surprised that Stanford was laying three at Utah. And did you see how it ended? <laughs> did you see with I the did. almost botched feel extra point mm-hmm. that put? So that was nuts. A really good win for Stanford. Now a Utah team that probably should have lost Arizona. Arizona had a nice win. Um, what do we make of Stanford? I think Stanford is getting better. I'm they're in a an odd quarterback place, a lot like Texas is, where mm. they keep wanting to go back to the guy who was their starter at the beginning of the season, but the younger guy is probably better for the offense. But they went with Keller Chris last night. They put in KJ Costello for a little bit, and it seems like they want to go with Keller Chris. I still think the offense moves better with Costello, but they're, look, in most cases, they're just going to be able to hand off to Bryce Love, and they're good. Like Utah is probably the best run defense they're going to play until they play Washington. They shouldn't have a – like Love should tear up the, the teams they have between now and Washington. So did you bet Utah, Stanford? No, but I did bet on the one you were talking about earlier. I got on Wazoo. I got them when they were getting two and a half. That's strong. And then it moved to them minus two and a half. This is a random question. What is the difference between recruiting at Stanford and Notre Dame? It's harder to recruit Stanford. It's, it's harder to get players in at Stanford. Because we, a lot is made about the requirements for Notre Dame as well. Yeah, the requirements at Stanford are the highest in, in the FBS. And so they recruit from a much smaller pool. But the difference is they tend to get the guys they target because, and I, I think this is a fairly recent thing, and you can probably credit Jim Harbaugh for starting this, but they offer the highest rated education in the FBS. And they have figured out how to impress upon players and their parents exactly what's being offered. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of easy when you say this is the place the Google guys went, which, you know, that one of them went to Michigan for undergrad, but right. they, they were grad students at Stanford when they created Google. So it's, it's become easier because when you come in and you can promise the Stanford education and you can play competitive football, I mean, who would turn that down? If someone's offering so that, like if someone too, offers yeah. that to my son, I'm going to be like, dude, there's, there's not a choice here. I don't care who else is recruiting you. You have to take that opportunity. But first you'd tell your son the Dartmouth story. <laughs> Princeton. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> um, we'll get to it in that buyout life, but Arizona going to Colorado. Interesting. Mm-hmm. makes Khalil Tate, backup quarterback, yeah. sets a, a record. For quarterback rushing yards, like 347 rushing yards. And he's also 11 of 12 passing. It's sort of the Nick Marshall theorem. Like, 
If they're so terrified of you running the ball, you're going to throw to wide open receivers every time. If Washington and Washington State play next week, what's the final score? Washington 33, Washington State 19. You love what you're saying. Washington is really good. Well, that's a styles make fights kind of game. That's not a that's not a knock on Washington State. It's a Washington style is the worst possible matchup for Washington State. Hmm. Interesting. So that's the Pac-12. I guess we should touch on the ACC. Place at the table. Clemson, the score didn't really resemble it, but kind of, I mean, not really a ton of yeah, trouble it, with Wake Forest. But Kelly Bryant got hurt. That's, that's, that's so what's, is it his ankle? It's his ankle. Now, the, if they can get through Friday at Syracuse, they have an open date, and then the toughest stretch of their season is is, is right after that because it's it goes Georgia Tech, at NC State, Florida State. That's that's the toughest they got left. They should be able to handle that. Okay, but whether look, whether they have Kelly Bryant or not, they should be able to handle that. But you would think, even if they've got to go with Hunter Johnson against Syracuse, they'll have Kelly Bryant back when they play Georgia Tech. Okay, so there's two things here as far as the ACC. Miami seems to be back a win. Uh, a really tight game against Florida State. We knew that was going to happen. Uh, but Doran's got to be killing himself because that NC State team, you just beat a not a, a, not a very good team in South Carolina, and you're right in the mix. I know, well, they're, But they're still right in the mix because if you win the ACC, you have a shot at the playoff. I mean... The, the problem is they can't be a one-conference lo- a, a one loss ACC, ACC champ. They would have to go undefeated through the conference. That's asking an awful lot. But they've already beaten Florida State. They've already beaten Louisville. Now they've got to beat the big dog. Well, not dogs, the big cats with the tiger paws on their helmets. That's the game. They almost beat them in Clemson last year. They should be able to compete with them. That's, that's where it com- what it comes down to for NC State. Did you bet on Miami? Yeah, I did. Guessing. I took a minus two and a half. All right. I, well, I, I didn't feel good about it, but as a Miami fan. Rozier's good. See, yeah, I, okay, is. I was going to ask both of you this. He's getting better. Here's what I think when I watch him. I go, he stinks. I think he he's stinks, good. He stinks, and then he makes a big throw. I think Florida no, would love no, to have him. Oh, they kill for him. <laughs> I think he's really good. Florida They've got five Florida, receivers. Florida would kill to have Blackman, too. He just has a, such a long windup. He, he's going to be fine. He's going to be great in two years. Who's going to play next year? Probably Francois. Oh, the other thing I, I failed to mention with NC State. In fact, they could potentially go undefeated in the ACC, win the ACC, and not make the playoff, and here's why. October 28th at Notre Dame. All right. Do you want to talk about Notre Dame? Like, independent? So th- this is... Um and you called it a while ago, just an offense that was going to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know any like North Carolina is in a weird spot. North Carolina's bad. They're everybody's hurt, but but North Carolina, but Notre Dame still went on the road with a backup quarterback and handled business. Notre Dame would completely be throwing the obviously the playoff into a if they had beaten Georgia because it would be uh, obviously. Oh no. By losing to Georgia, they're throwing it into more that, of a, that, valid, and I, and I'll explain cause why because because of the SEC championship game as well. Well, not just because of that, because Notre Dame's schedule is brutal. USC, Stanford. So here's what they have coming up: Navy. They're off this week. USC, NC State, Wake Forest, oh. at Miami, oh. Navy, 
Ugh. at Stanford. It's unbelievable. Now, there's no way they get through that without losing. But if they do, they have earned a playoff berth. Of course, yes. Now, here's the thing. Let's say they're 11-1 and one with that schedule, and they've, they've clearly earned a playoff berth. And Georgia is 12-0 and 0 and loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Oh. That's three playoff. That that's three of the playoff teams that's a right crazy there. Crazy scenario. So only one other conference is going to be able to get a team in the playoff. That's wild. In that scenario, that's wild. Yeah, I mean, you, that is you, wild. You can't argue that Notre Dame thing at that. No, point. you can't. It's especially as good as Georgia is, obviously. Right. Oh wow, because their schedule is so brutal. Yeah, Notre Dame's schedule is. And and remember, Michigan State, which beat Michigan last night. Notre Dame beat them Killed by them. 20 in East Lansing. In East Lansing. <laughs> Killed them. Boat race. Wow. That is a good point. So Yeah. That's... It's crazy. <laughs> now, I don't think it happens because the odds of Notre Dame being able to, to navigate that schedule without another loss are pretty slim. It's that's really hard. If if we talk about that but if if it if they do, I mean, Brian Kelly just bought himself five years. Brian Kelly had plenty of security anyway people were nuts people were thinking they would go four and eight again this year weren't paying attention last year they were gonna get better i just didn't know like i kept saying well they'll definitely win seven games i don't know how much better exactly they'll be i didn't predict this they just needed to get rid of the defensive coordinator that looked like a porn star ryan van gorder ryan van Van gorder was running the atlanta in the pros defense before he was running the falcons defense and the other the other part of it is (laughs) he always looked confused look look back at the games last year they lost they were close losses they weren't getting boat raced in yeah but it was it was a little bit of a dysfunctional situation it was but the offense was good they had good players it just I'll take Brian Kelly. If you were to tell me right now South Carolina dump, uh, dumps Muschamp for Kelly, I'd be like, are you kidding? Oh, yeah. No, the the people who don't think Brian Kelly's a good coach don't know anything about college football. Central. They're not paid attention. One at Central, one at Cincinnati, yeah. and obviously is one at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they went 12-0 and went to the national title game one year. With a chick on Tinder that didn't exist. Exactly. Duh. I don't think it was Tinder. Yeah, what was it? The Twitter. Uh, yeah, uh, it, was it was the first catfish, like the first prominent catfish of all time. We shifted. Yeah, it was a bad cat. It, yeah, I was. It was not good. R.I.P. Lene. Plus, he's doing yoga. Uh, let's shift to the Big Ten. Place at the table. <laughs> Congratulations, Dustin. What was your philosophy behind taking Michigan State catching the ten and a half? Uh, at well, the big house? just knowing the Michigan offense and watching a few of their games this year, I know that like they're probably maxing out at like twenty four points. In a rivalry game where Michigan State's fired up, they always have a good defense. D'Antonio knows what he's doing against the Wolverines. I figured he could keep them max 20, so then all I need is 10 points from the Spartans, and I'm pushing anything more than that gets me a win. I didn't think Michigan State was going to win outright. Low, yeah, no, low-key, Michigan's not that good. Spate is done for the year with the vertebrae in the back, and O'Corn, Andy, he was dreadful. Well, and that's the thing. So the, these Jake Fromm situations kind of obscure the reality of, of most scenarios. You know, everybody assumes they love their backup quarterback. Oh, if the backup quarterback came in, everything would be better. But most of the time, once the backup quarterback gets in, you realize, oh, this is why he was the backup. You realized that last night. And Rudolph, remember, so 
my man, the lefties playing at Central that was there in Shane the Morris. Yeah, yes. Morris. And then he brought Rudock in as a transfer from Iowa his first mm-hmm. year. Yep. But he just he there hasn't been a rhythm at all under center for Michigan. No. And and they have not figured it out. And, you know, everybody's screaming now for Peters, but Peters is behind was behind O'Corn probably for a reason. Now the the kind of X factor is Dylan McCaffrey, who's a true freshman, Christian's brother, Ed's son. But the plan is to redshirt him. I don't, I don't foresee them changing that plan. That and that's a D'Antonio like that. You know, first off, I don't think at home. I think I saw the tweet. You saw it as well. Zero and three against Michigan State and Ohio State at home at the Big House for Harbaugh. It's bad. It, it is it, bad. Yeah, and they looked horrible i mean the honeymoon the honeymoon is over it is getting i think it's getting a little odd in ann arbor from the text from my friends they're not as the harbaugh thing is not like they still love him they still think they do coach they do but i I don't think they feel like he can walk on water anymore they don't love what has happened with the quarter like there's been no progression well he's supposed to be a quarterback guy well that exactly well and and he's succeeded with quarterbacks everywhere he's been i mean Josh Johnson at the University of San Diego, Andrew Luck at Stanford, the situation with 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 uh, Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick that he handled the year they went to the Super Bowl in San Francisco. He's handled quarterbacks well everywhere he's been. This is the this is the first year that they can't seem to find an answer. And D'Antonio, it's interesting. Uh, I think it was Stanford Steve and Felica on their wonderful pod that they were talking about has that program peaked. Obviously, two years ago, got blown out by Alabama in the Final Four, but almost to a point where they got to elite category. D'Antonio has done an amazing job at Michigan State. Like, literally blown people away. So I think we can can say that last year was the outlier. It was an outlier, yeah. Yeah. So they're they're good. They know what they're doing. They can still evaluate talent very well. The question now is, can they get back into competing for Big Ten titles now that the competition level has really ratcheted up because of Franklin? Good point. Um, And speaking of which, Penn State 31-7 at Northwestern, easily the third best team in the country. Yes. Easily. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's and no argument. They, and they feel like the most complete team in the Big Ten. So they have an open date coming up and then the the stretch that will define their season. They've got Michigan at home, at back Ohio State, and the game I've been talking about since the offseason at Michigan State, which is going to be hard after you've played Michigan and Ohio State in consecutive weeks. Imagine if they lose and then Notre Dame's a no brain as long as Notre Dame handles their business because what they did at East Lansing. Oh, the the nightmare scenario. It, let's add to that nightmare scenario, by the way. Can we? Michigan State wins the Big Ten. Oh gosh. <laughs> Notre Dame goes eleven and one. Georgia's twelve and one. Alabama's thirteen and zero. Michigan State wins the Big Ten. <laughs> Ho hum, yeah, that's a lit. Ho hum with Ohio State over, you know, obviously uh, DJ Durkin in Maryland with a third string quarterback. But where does Wisconsin stand in everything? Wisconsin, obviously. So I don't think they're the fourth best team in the Big Ten. I think they're better than that. Okay, they beat I, Nebraska thirty-eight seventeen at Nebraska. Yeah, that was an interesting game. That Nebraska crowd was so into it. 
They, you, because you coming tell, off the two wins, right? And they realize this is kind of this is kind of it. This is Wisconsin is the program because I think most Nebraska fans are very realistic about things. I don't I don't buy into the whole stereotype of everybody thinks it has to be 1995 again. Realistically, what Nebraska should be is what Wisconsin is. Not necessarily the same style of offense, but that type of team, those types of expectations. And when you see the team that you should be and you're playing with them and it's 17-17 in the third quarter after you have a pick six, you're like, all right, here we are. And then the air came out of the balloon so fast. Mm -hmm. Three drives almost exclusively on the ground. Wisconsin basically saying, nah, you're basic. You're basic. Nice, Andy. Um, Use the reality show word. Very basic. Okay. I didn't even know what that meant. That I think it in in context. I think it's, it's per- fairly it's perfect. So it's pretty simple to say. We does does Ohio State leapfrog Michigan at this point? Yeah. I mean, Ohio. Look, Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State in a million years. Well, since they, John they, Cooper. Well, no, no, they beat him. They beat him the Luke Fickle interim year. But that's it. So, of course, Ohio State's ahead of Michigan. Ohio State's ahead of Michigan until Michigan wins that game. I had a Maryland plus 30 and a half, too, by the way. <laughs> Didn't yeah. work out too well. well no, the Dustin on our show on on Friday night said, you think Urban Meyer is going to take it easy on Durkin because they work together? I'm like, no. Well, look at last year. <laughs> well, he didn't take it easy on Chris Ash. They were celebrating when they missed a field yeah. goal. You know, Urban. You know who Urban Meyer? Shut out. You know who Urban Meyer hates more than um, heart attacks? Uh, Everyone. Tom Herman. <laughs> Remember that when he just like literally was just like you're. Acting they like say a bitch. they're cool. They texted. It's all good. Urban might be a terrible person. Like that's why it's everyone found nice. so much joy that with him nice. eating pizza by himself on a golf cart. It's not nice what I just said, but whatever. That's not nice. You all don't right. know the guy. All right, and. Well, do you? Better than you. Valid. Find out who is on the hot seat, what jobs could open up, which coach could be getting paid to stay at home. It's time for That Buyout Life. Yeah, it is time for That Buyout Life. Let's start. That Buyout Life, the, the, the buyout boat's getting it's getting thinner. Yeah, how about the most interesting one now? Arkansas. Yeah. I still think because the buyout is so big... And because Long is so invested in, in Jeff Long, the AD, he loves him. so, so yeah. invested in Bielema, it would take them not winning another game. But the way they played yesterday, they might not win another game. He, it, what a regression, too. It's not what you would expect from Bielema's Wisconsin teams year after year got better. They're very consistent. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But it's it's bad. But I don't think it's bad enough to justify. Although this is going to be an absolute bloodletting against Alabama. Kill him. Would Wisconsin prefer Bielema or Christ? Oh, Christ. Christ Chris, is a Wisconsin guy. Chris stunk at Pitt. He was stunk. A, he's a Wisconsin guy. Stunk at He was Pitt. fine at Pitt. I lost a lot of money on him. He was fine. Um, How long would Bielema be on the market if he gets left Oh, he'd get a job immediately, but he'd it wouldn't be a big Nebraska? Good or no, Nebraska would hire him. No. Not, He'd get a job. You can't sell that at Nebraska after what happened at Arkansas. He'd get an SMU when Chad Morris left. Something like that, yes. Okay, so Arizona. Is Rich Rod going to save his job? He very well might. And is Todd Graham going to save his job? I don't think so. No chance, right? I think the, the standard for Graham was a little bit higher because they're doing all this crazy stuff around their stadium and, and renovating everything. They want a splash. And... 
it still doesn't feel like that's a splash. So I, I think he probably doesn't make it. I think Rich Rod does make it. But the it. way things are going with Rich Rod, he might make it. And it certainly appears like he's found his quarterback. Now, how that kid wasn't starting already, I don't know. But they could beat UCLA this week. They could beat Cal the following week. That would put them, you know, sitting at 5-2. At, at and two. I, I was only thinking Rich Rod needed to make a bowl game to save his job. Can I ask so you a question? Why did I it, think they're probably all right. Why did Solomon transfer? Uh, he wasn't that good. He, he was, was good that up. first year. He was good. Yeah, he was. Good, but they had he had a lot around him too. He was really good that first yeah, year. Yeah, and and you notice when they tried to play him at Baylor, it did not go well. So it he just he was going to get beat out. I think someone's going to be okay. That is the really intriguing part of this. So he last night was proof that he has a special quarterback in Kellen Mond. I agree. That is sort of the trump card of trump cards in college football. If you've got that guy, now. You look at the rest of the way for them. They could lose to Florida. They could lose to Auburn. They could lose to LSU. But they could also win those games. What if they... And if they went out, then... and Actually, let's not say they went out. Let's say they lose to Auburn and beat everybody else. And they're 9-3. and three. So 9-3 and three is definitely a keep scenario for them. Uh, yeah. Especially but, with the recruiting that he's continued to do. But at that point, someone has one year left on his contract. Do you extend him five years? No, you make him coach on a year basis. And I, I okay. When you're in basis. He's going to say, and his agent's going to say, you're crippling my recruiting. I can't recruit like this. Who's his agent? Ogeron's agent? <laughs> no, his agent is not Ogeron's agent. His agent is uh, Trace Armstrong, former Bears and Dolphins defensive end, former head of the NFLPA. So he knows what's up. He knows what he's doing. He's got Brian Kelly and James Franklin, a bunch of guys. So that's what the argument will be to the Texas A&M brass. Now, if I were the Texas A&M brass and I were trying not to extend him, my argument would be, well, we kneecapped him in recruiting this year, and he seems to be doing okay. I don't think I'd fire someone. I don't think I would either. I don't think I would. But, but the thing, I, this is what I've been saying all, all along is, if you were to fire him, who are you going well, no, to no, get I'm gonna, that's better? I'm going to walk you into that. I The one thing that I it is precarious is the way that he handled those two five stars. The the Kyle Allen, Kyler Murray. Yeah, situation. that was, I didn't love, he, I he, he didn't know how to handle that. I, I'm Remember, going, he was, he was, he was I'm subbing. I'm not going to put that all on him. He was platooning and it I'm was I'm not going to put that all on him. Kyle Allen got pissed. The, the way he handled the, the transfer, or not the transfers, but the, the, Switching offensive coordinators was was kind of weird that off season too. So, but again, if you fire him, who are you going to get that's better that's going to give you what you want? Now, if they fall apart after losing to Alabama like they did the last three years, okay, whatever. It, you know that's banging your head against the same wall over and over. But if they don't, because they showed a lot of fight last night. If they don't fall apart, if they do keep winning, you know, you get back to winning right away. I think you got to keep him. But then the question is, how do you handle the contract situation? And I'm gonna write about this this week because this is the most fascinating part of it. What do you do? Because I don't think you give him a five year extension. Exactly, I don't think you do either. But that's what they're gonna demand. Now, if I were someone, I would probably shot myself around a little bit. To, to try to create a little bit of leverage. Because I don't think I don't think they'll just bite if you don't have another offer. 
Well, the, the you know what's interesting the symmetry with wh- who I'm asking about next with Sumlin, and that's UCLA. Mm-hmm. Moore is not coming back. He's simply not coming back. If you watch the way that team acted at the end of the Stanford game, he is not coming back. Well, if they lose to Arizona next week, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any. It's question. been a while. Yeah. He's had. Uh, I don't know what's more alike. He's intense. You know, I, I don't know. Is he just like easy. a basic? Is he like easy a, to work with and work for? Is he like when you spoke to him? You always say he's a he's a, he's a football coach. Is that how you'd explain him? Kind of, yeah. I mean, he he's always been very accommodating with me, so I can't. I don't have any any personal experience of any bad stories. He's but moody you, though. You you've heard stories about people who from people who've worked with him that he can be tough to work with sometimes and, and he's extremely intense and uh, not a big off switch, no, not really an off switch. Well, his team isn't that intense. That's the problem. No, and seriously, he, you know, and, and you look at the rest of the schedule. If they lose to Arizona, they are staring down a barrel of ugliness. Okay. So I'm going to just put Tennessee and Nebraska to this side and I'm going to ask you about three names. Uh, and I think this will all come together with that by all life. Uh, Scott Frost, where will he be coaching next year? Uh, Tennessee, Nebraska, Arkansas, Arizona, A&M, UCLA. Is Scott Frost going to be uh, in Florida? I don't think so. Because I, I, I think this this iron will be hot enough that he can strike. Tennessee might be a good landing spot for him. And it's interesting because... The assumption is, of course, he's going to go to Nebraska. Nebraska, right? But I don't know that that's the case. I don't know that that's the best the best job of of the bunch. Tennessee is 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 a much easier place to recruit to. He turned down other jobs in favor of UCF because UCF is surrounded by recruits. Tennessee's three hours from Atlanta. It's a short drive, a decent drive to Tidewater area in Virginia. Uh, there are players you can get who can drive to your campus. Nebraska, you can't do that. Now, the the competition level is different, but the SEC East and the Big Ten West, I, I don't know. I mean, now if Georgia turns into a monster, that's a, that's a little bit different dynamic there. But I think it's something you'd seri- you, you've got to seriously consider that if, if they're interested in you. Having fun here just because of the win this week, so bear with me. But okay. um, uh, Matt Campbell. I, 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 admittedly, he probably is a is a type of dude that sticks around because of principle. Um, but Prob- probably one more year. Okay, and then that leads me to my next one. This is his second year, but I, I just think that Fuente is a guy that's going to get a huge job. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, I could see Tennessee trying to throw a bunch of money at him, but maybe him not taking it because you can win easier at Virginia Tech than you can win at Tennessee. You can win division titles and and play for conference titles much more easily at Virginia Tech than you can at Tennessee. And it doesn't seem like that different of a job. Now, I think there, there's a difference in paycheck that, that comes in. And it, it really depends on how much you care about the money. But Fuente can stay at Virginia Tech for as long as he wants. And if he does really well there, then maybe when Ohio State or... Alabama, yeah, because he's young. He's up. relatively young, right? Then, then you're in the mix for that. So you can you can afford to be very selective. You don't have to jump just because somebody's going to throw a ton of money at you. Can I say why I think he his loss to Clemson at home when everything mm-hmm. had been built up? 
Boston College isn't terrible. And the fact that they go there and they're never in doubt in that game, I think that is uh, emblematic of a really good coach. They're very consistent. The only time since he's been at Virginia Tech that it didn't feel like they they were consistent was when they lost to Syracuse. Everything else has been just remarkable consistency, and that's that's exactly what you want. So, but the thing is, if I'm him, I do not jump at the first fat paycheck that gets or fatter paycheck that gets thrown at me because if you're successful at Virginia Tech, you can either stay there forever and be happy, or when something huge opens, you're one of the guys they're talking to. Question: Do you is LA? And UCLA, a big enough job to jump for from Blacksburg? No. I heard it's not a great job here. It's not. They're not going to pay as well. And you're getting a new football facility, so that's good. But the Rose Bowl is what it is. And it, everybody loves it on January 1st. They don't really love it that much from September 1st through November 29th. So, yeah, I don't. I don't think... That is definitely not a job you would jump from Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's a better job than UCLA. Is Boston College a good job? Because we, no. we, we've, we've reached the end there. No, it's a tough job. Uh, it's hard to recruit to. High academic standards, private school, not a huge rec- local recruiting base. The good players that the few good players that there are are going to try to go to Penn State or Notre Dame. So, no, it's, it's not. Uh, what, what Tom O'Brien did there and what Jeff Jagosinski did there really hard to replicate okay so frost campbell fuente a, a, a guy that you know lost this weekend but done a great job with smu as you mentioned uh june jones left that thing completely empty uh i think chad morris is going to end up getting a job after this year i don't know because again and and now this is being me being a prisoner of the moment it feels like there might be less jobs than we originally talked about uh, that's a good point point. and that's what happened last year last year there were way less jobs than we thought because some of the some of the people kind of coached their way off the hot seat. So, yeah. is there any shockers coming? Are there any big t- power five shockers coming that there's an opening? Uh, you know, you could have said Michigan State. No, no, because D'Antonio. Um, are there any shockers coming? Arkansas would be a shocker. It would be a shocker just because of the buyout. But but then again, it's Florida not, would be a shocker. It'd be a shocker, but that he's not getting fired. That you know. If the pressure on McElwain mounts and the fan base continues to to have these impossibly high standards, and I could see him maybe trying to pull a Tubby Smith, but where do you go? I don't think the right job for him was would be open. Question. Could USC open up? No. Lin Swan is the uh, AD. No. Halton's good. He's fine. Okay. They don't. They don't have to win the Pac-12. They don't have to go to the. They don't have to go to the playoff. He's fine. I ask because you know, obviously, new regime uh, wasn't their hire. He was in trouble last year. Who knows what happens the rest of, rest of the season? Darnold could leave. It's USC though. There's an. There's. There are more quarterbacks in the pipeline. It's all right. No, I. I you. He's fine. He he earned his stripes. He you know coached his way out of the, the, the hole he put them in when he chose Max Brown as a starter. I don't think there's going to be any issue. Okay. So we can't find a bit, I guess. Frost is going to be huge. Fuente Campbell, I can't really think of anything. Frost, though, if the right job doesn't open up, 
can win again next year and, and just be fine waiting till next year. If, if the right job doesn't come open, we're fraught. You know, you know where frost would be perfect, but it's not going to open South Carolina, Auburn. But it's Why? not going to open. Why? Just because he runs the kind of offense that works there with the kind of players they already have. Was it surprising Frost didn't but, but get Oregon? Gus is doing fine right now. Was it surprising Frost didn't get Oregon? Uh, no. Seems like he, he was there for a few years. He was, but he'd only been at UCF a year. They didn't quite know where this where this thing was going. And I think I still think it's genius that he took that UCF job. Why? Because he understood something that a lot of people didn't. While the last year of George O'Leary at, at Central Florida was horrendous, they were not far off from a team that won the Fiesta Bowl. They weren't they horrendous a couple of years before that. Yeah, they still they still had athletes. That was a quick turnaround, and he knew it. I mean, it was a team that probably lied a lot. O'Leary's team. Okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you you never really wanted to talk about that. Dude, team that was the biggest deal. Like, really, for a guy that basically came over on a rowboat from Ireland, <laughs> looks like. The central casting of of an uh, 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 you know a obviously Notre a Notre Dame, Dame coach, head yeah. coach to be like yeah I got a PhD in pimping and then people are like did you actually get a PhD in pimping and they looked into it and he was just like yeah I botched that but the thing is why once you're the head coach at Georgia Tech you're don't you good. go back to the resume and just be like wipe it's yeah. good hey O'Leary you don't have to go to LinkedIn dude you got the job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, where, what's he doing now? He's just retired. He's chilling. So it is now whether Sports Illustrated, where Andy Staples is the lead writer for college football, uh, who's Bruce Feldman, or that's nah, no, he's wrong. he's a talented he's writer. The best. I got to get that book you mentioned. What's the book's title? Meat, meat Market. Okay. Um, or just podcasts in general. We have to, we are forced to do this thing, which is say. Let's write the headlines for next week. Hey, hey. Hey, shtick. But what are we looking forward to week seven? Well, you can just do this. Either the Gainesville Sun or the Bryan College Station Eagle is going to have a headline next Sunday that says the sky is falling. But I don't know which one. Florida stinks. I'm telling you, McIlwain's done. So you say A&M just runs in there and and blows I think A&M beats Florida. Yes. Okay. I don't know. I have no read on that game because because A and M's a youngish team, and they put up a great fight against Alabama, and it's easy for youngish teams to get up for the best team in the country. It's not so easy to stay up when you got when you lost, and then you got to go play your next game. So that's that's the one. And then I'm curious what happens with Auburn LSU because all the good vibes from the 17-16 win in Gainesville could just be evaporated if Auburn comes in there can and, I, and puts the hammer down. So, so, can I say why you don't have a read on the Florida game? You're going to call it's, me a homer? No, not at all. It's it's what is going to define McIlwain. He has yet to establish an identity with a program that he's been there now for a little and bit. That, and that's why I don't have You don't have ever a have a read on, on the team. That's, that's not why, a good... But no, that, that, the reason I don't have a read on it is because... Against LSU, they finally appeared to be developing an offensive identity. And that, in the third quarter, not in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and a loss at home. Exactly. So, 
what if they figure out, oh, wait, that's what we are, and let's just do that the whole game. You beat them 28-14, LSU coming off a terrible loss. You're like, okay, but honestly, you just don't know what Florida team you're getting week to week, and that's on the head coach. That's exactly right. And so, yeah, it's funny because we looked at the schedule and said, that's the one that could get someone canned. But in fact, it could be the one that starts the downfall of McIlwain. All right. Did you finish the beer or did you just like sip it the whole time? Well, you talk and then you make me talk. So I, I've been flapping my gums. It's freaking radio. I mean, I'm it's a podcast. So. I'm going to finish this and make myself an old fashioned. This isn't a, what's the films that used to do the dude that would just pantomime thing? Charlie Chaplin? This isn't a Charlie Chapman film. Charlie Chaplin. Dino Barbers? (laughs) Hey, by the way, Babers is going to get a big job. I'm a big Babers guy. Not yet. Not yet. I know, and I had him laying three. Too too soon. They beat Pitt. Narduzzi stinks. They beat Pitt by three. Going to be an interesting Friday night with the Clemson Tigers in the Carrier Dome. Why? Who are they playing? uh, Syracuse. Oh, hey! Why would you, if you were a kid, why would you ever go play at that dome at Syracuse? It's disgusting. Because you didn't have any better offers. So how have they won? Well, it was different back in the day. Back in the day, they were the power in the Northeast, so they could go into Jersey, go into Pennsylvania, and get really good players. Paul Pascaloni. Uh, further back than that, McPherson. Yeah, but that now Pascaloni had some good teams. He got Donovan McNabb out of Chicago, but. Yeah, why would you go from Chicago as a big-time recruit to go play in a dome? Well, you're already cold, so what's the difference? That's not that's not valid. It's it's a gross place to watch football. You agree with that? I've never. Why would you go? There. I've only covered basketball in the Carrier Yeah, dome, exactly. So I don't know. So I'm saying, why would you choose that over like McNabb could have went to LSU? He could have went to Blacksburg. He could have went anywhere. I, I don't think you? he could have. I don't think he had that option. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm no, making I, things up. Yeah, that's that's the thing. They were. Even by the time they got to Pasquale, they weren't, you know, Jim Brown wasn't walking through that door. They they had to be, they had to kind of unearth the gyms at that point, and they really have to now. I like Syracuse's quarterback, though, kind of. Yeah, Eric Dungy's great. You know where he was going to go before Syracuse? South Carolina? Wyoming. He was all set to go to Wyoming. When he flipped on them, that's when they got Josh Allen. Do people, do you like Allen? I do. I think he's a. I just think I, I've met him. I think he's a funny dude. Uh, I think athletically, he's got what the NFL teams want. He's not having the year that, that he wants to have, but he's still going to get get some run in the pre draft process. I don't know that he's the first guy off the board, like Adam Schefter said at the end of the draft last year, but I, I do think somebody's going to pick him fairly high. I don't know if it's going to be a first round pick. But he's going to get picked fairly high and have a chance to be an NFL starter. Yeah, well, Adam Schefter divulged Jason Pierre-Paul's medical records. It, it, I mean, this is unscrupulous. That's a good way to end it. <laughs> just, just. I just had an issue. Reporter. I just killed him when he did that. It's just unbelievable. Uh, all right, Andy, enjoy your Sunday night. We'll be back here, place at the table, with another one previewing Week 7. Download, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, P-A-T-T-Podcast.com, P-A-T-T-Podcast on Twitter. Uh, last words, Mr. Staples. The buyout bus feels like it's getting less crowded. Congratulations, Kevin Sumlin. Congratulations, Rich Rod. Congratulations, throwing a name. Who else saved their job? I think it's just those two, but that's pretty good. Although, we could completely change our minds in two weeks. Talk to you later in the week. Thanks, Andy. 
Yes, sir. Place at the table. 